LifeSpring number 169, The Perfect Sin. This episode of LifeSpring deals with the subject of internet pornography. If you deem this topic to be inappropriate, or if there are minors within the sound of my voice, you may want to listen at another time. If you are a minor, please ask your parents to listen to this episode before you do so that they can give their permission. Hello. How you doing? It's so good to see you. And I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to LifeSpring. I'm Steve Webb, and I'm your host. This is the place where you'll hear the message of hope, love, and good news. Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Remember, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's especially important for today's message. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, or your station in life. Jesus said... Who do you say that I am? Life Springs about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. What will you find here? You'll find music, conversation, reasons to believe, hope, and love. You know, I love a good whodunit. You know, crime stories, murder mysteries. I grew up watching Perry Mason, Dragnet, Mannix, Starsky and Hutch, Ad Infinitum, and I'm aging myself. These days I've got my DVR set to record all the CSIs. One phrase that I remember hearing on those crime shows is, the perfect murder. You know, the, the murderer commits the crime in such a way that there is no way that he'll ever get caught. No witnesses, no evidence, no consequences for the perpetrator. The perfect murder. Or so it seems. Of course, in nearly every show where the perfect murder seems to have been committed, the story is about how the hero of the show digs and investigates and questions until the one flaw in the murderer's plan is exposed and the perfect part of the perfect murder is shown to be, well, not so much. The murderer ends up paying the price. The point is, he or she gets caught because somewhere along the line, evidence of some kind is exposed. A witness, trace evidence, phone records, something that the perpetrator just didn't account for. If he knew that he would have to account for his crime, he would have probably not done the crime. Today, I want to talk to you about the perfect sin. This is the sin that has no witnesses, leaves no evidence. It's done in secret while no one is looking, and every trace of it can be deleted with the push of a button or the click of a mouse. I'm talking, of course, about internet pornography. You're going to hear some statistics that may surprise you, a biblical perspective on pornography and sex, guilt and forgiveness, and I want to tell you about a tool that I found that can help control the problem. Full disclosure here. Because I believe so strongly in the approach taken by this company, I have brought them on as a sponsor of LifeSpring Media. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show, about how this came about, but I want you to know at the outset that this relationship exists.
this with a temple of contradictions No, that's not me, I never do that Don't try to tell me differently Don't make me face up to my hypocrisy Cause I've been spinning to the wind I've been chasing fire It's wandering heart of minds Traded integrity for compromise Hey God, can you help these concrete feet Walk away from temptation, Godspeed I'm weakening like the seams in my worn out faded jeans Hey God, can you come and clean up my insides I'm tired of whitewashing the outside Here's my unfed heart bleeding down by sleeve Can you hear it beating out? Forgive me, forgive me Person. So when did my tongue become coated with white lies? I say I'm a wholesome woman. So how come I've been in the dark too much with this guy? I feel like a basket that keeps trying to hold water. I feel like a traitor. Kisses his friend and turns him over Hey God, can you help these concrete feet Walk away from temptation, Godspeed I'm weakening like the seams in my worn out faded jeans Hey God, can you come and clean up my insides I'm tired of whitewashing the outside Here's my unfelt heart bleeding down my Forgive me, forgive me Can you hear it beating out? Forgive me Why do I do the things I don't want to do? What pulls me away from demonstrating my love for you? Godspeed, I'm weakening like the seams in my worn out faded jeans. Hey God, can you come and clean up my insides? I'm tired of whitewashing the outside. Here's my unveiled heart bleeding down my sleeve. Can you hear it beating out? Forgive me, forgive me. Can you hear it? Ann Davis. I've been playing Ann Davis since I think the very first Life Spring. Yeah, she's been a friend of podcasting for, well, since the beginning. So that's Ann Davis with Temple of Contradictions. The word pornography is made up of two Greek words. 
The first is porne, which means one who sells, or a fornicator, or a whore. The second word is graphian, meaning to write. In other words, pornography is literally the writing of fornicators or whores. The Greek word porne is used several times in the Bible. In one of these instances, the Apostle Paul writes, Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot, and in that case, porne, is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that's from 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. And then in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, and again, this is Jesus talking, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, please, don't get sidetracked on that last part. Jesus was illustrating the seriousness of the sin by saying that you should tear out your eye or cut off your hand, but don't do that. The point is that pornography is considered by God to be a serious sin. Don't go out and tear your eye out if this is a problem in your own life, okay? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was making an illustration. I mean, literally, it is better <laughs> to go into hell without an eye, or I mean, to go into heaven without an eye than for your entire body to be thrown into hell. I mean, that, that is a true statement, but, I, but nobody here is advocating that you do that to yourself. All right. On today's show, we're going to look at some facts about internet porn. We're going to look more at what the Bible says about it, and I'm going to give you some advice on how to loose its hold on your life. You see, pornography in many forms is invading people's homes and is available 24-7. The Internet is a powerful tool, and like all powerful tools, it can be used for profound good or profound evil. In the distribution of pornography, the Internet is a tool of profound evil because pornography is physically more addicting than cocaine and it imprints the mind with images. You can't get rid of them. They're there. Just like you can't unring a bell, you can't unsee pornography. Overcoming pornography addiction takes years and it can affect you and everybody around you, possibly for the rest of your life. The average age of first exposure to internet porn is eight years old. That, my friend, is profoundly evil. I even saw one report that said that the, the average first age of exposure is five. Ah, oh, man, that's evil. You know, it used to be if you wanted pornographic material, you'd have to mail order it, or you could go to some seedy place in some seedy neighborhood in town. 
All of these, though, put you at risk of being found out. You know, if you if you mail ordered it, they'd say, well, we'll ship it in a plain brown wrapper. Well, you know, the postman would know what that was. And if you went into one of those establishments, you know, somebody might see you. Well, with computers being used in private, people can find and view hardcore pornography right in their own homes and offices. And this can easily grow into an addiction with tremendous harm brought to individuals, to children, to wives, to families, to businesses, to ministries. It's terrible. Now, can I have the facts? All right, Uncle Jack, here's some facts. 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit Internet pornography websites. 40 million. Worldwide, Internet users who view porn, 42.7%. Christians. Oh, Christians don't have this problem, right? 47% of Christians said pornography is a major problem in the home. 53% of Christian men, 53% viewed pornography in the last week. 10% of adults admit admit to internet sexual addiction. How many more are there that don't admit it? According to Family Safe Media, in 2006, the internet pornography industry generates $12 billion in annual revenue. That's larger than the combined annual revenues of ABC, NBC, and CBS. It's huge. 25% of daily total search engine results are pornographic. Listen to this. If you think that this is only a male problem, 28% of porn site visitors are female. 28%. You thought that this was just a problem with men. No. 70% of women keep their cyber activities secret. 17% of all women struggle with pornography addiction. Women favor chat rooms two times more than men. Women far more than men are likely to act out their behaviors in real life such as having multiple partners, casual sex, or affairs. Listen to this. Two-thirds of the divorce lawyers attending a 2002 meeting of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers said excessive interest in online porn contributed to more than half of the divorces they handled that year. They also said that pornography had an almost non-existent role in divorce just seven or eight years earlier. So in a short time, more than half of the divorces in the country are because of internet porn. And there's a doctor by the name of C.J. Manning. He did a study in 2006 on sexual compulsion, and it showed that learning of a spouse's porn use typically has the same impact on an innocent spouse as learning of an affair. The same impact. You think that it's not going to affect your wife or your husband? If they find out, it's going to be the same as if you were having an affair. It's horrible. Listen to how it relates to teenagers. Americans aged 13 to 18 spend more than 72 hours a week using electronic media, defined as internet, cell phones, TV, music, and video games. 87% of all teens are online. You don't think that maybe there might be a risk of exposure? Listen. As I said earlier, the average age of first Internet exposure is as young as five years old, depending upon who you read. 80% of 15 to 17-year-olds are exposed to hardcore pornography. 90% of 8 to 16-year-olds are exposed. 90%! And most of that is while doing homework. You know, they're doing a search, and blam, there it is. 
The lar- this is the one that absolutely floored me. The largest group of viewers of internet porn is children between the ages of 12 and 17. That breaks my heart. I've got two boys in my house that fall into that demographic. What about you? And here's how they pull them in. On commercial pornography sites, 74% display free teaser porn images on their homepage. You don't even have to go into the site right there in their homepage. There's hardcore images. 66% did not include a warning of adult content. 25% of them prevented users from exiting the site. You know, the kid sees, oh no, I, I got to go away from there. They try to close it and blam, they get another pop-up and blam, another pop-up and blam, another pop-up. They can't get out of it. Bunch of scum, these pornographers. Only 3% of these commercial pornography sites required adult verification. Inexcusable. Jesus said that it would be better for somebody to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be thrown into the deepest part of the ocean than to harm a child. These pornographers ought to be taken out and shot, if you ask me. But there's more. We've talked about men. We've talked about women. We've talked about kids. What about a very specific group of men? Pastors. 57% of all pastors call pornography the most sexually damaging issue for their congregations. 51% of pastors say that porn is a temptation for them. 69% of pastors started looking at porn out of curiosity. Pastors are not special. They're just men. They're flesh and blood like you and me. 37% of pastors say that it is currently a struggle. 53% of pastors have visited porn sites in the the past year. 18% of pastors look at porn a couple of times per month. And 4 in 10 pastors looked at pornography today. They're just men. Don't put them up on a pedestal. They have the same problems that you and I have. They're not immune. Weep. So those are the facts. My friends, as you see, this problem really is the 300-pound gorilla in just about every room. From these statistics, we can safely surmise that every one of us knows somebody who has a problem with porn, and many of you listening right now are probably feeling like I'm talking specifically to you, because your life is out of control in this area as well. As a matter of fact, here's a part of an email that I recently got from a listener to the LifeSpring shows who would like to remain anonymous, so I'll call him Bob, which is not his real name. He says... I, too, was a victim of pornography before coming to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. In fact, it was a pretty significant part of my life up until the week of my salvation. When I was about 15, I was reading a computer magazine, and they had an article about various websites of computer game companies. One of them had a name which had a second meaning and led the article writer to jokingly say something like, Be careful if you search for this one. Well, my curiosity was aroused, and when I got home... I searched for the company, but really started looking for the second meaning, which was related to porn. I soon became hooked on the images I saw. In fact, at that time, we still had dial-up internet, so even though I was technically competent enough to wipe traces of my surfing from my computer, the amount of time I spent could easily be seen from our phone bill. 
I ended up lying about what I was doing to my parents, as well as seeing things that I really should not have, which I'm pretty sure has affected my view of the world. But thankfully, I now have Jesus in my life to help turn things the right way around. For me, the most addictive activity wasn't the pictures, but the stories. I guess it was something about my imagination, but with the stories, I could see things that were not always in the pictures. Unfortunately, certain stories are all too easy to think back to, even now. Given that I had a certain amount of Christianity in my background, I sometimes tried to read the Bible instead of going online and visiting the same sites, but they rarely worked, and I would find myself back at the screen. This carried on for three years till I was reading a book I'd been lent by a member of the cell group I was attending at the time. The book was Left Behind, which is about those left behind after the rapture. I'd gone to church when I was younger, and then again, for a few months up to this point, I'd managed to come to the understanding that being a Christian just meant going to church and reading the Bible and praying, but I hadn't understood the core of Jesus' forgiveness and lordship in my life. When reading the book, I read of other Christians who also thought that they were Christians but had not returned with Jesus at the rapture or been taken up during the rapture. This was the wake-up call I needed to help me see that I needed to repent, and so I did just that. Having asked Jesus into my life and to help me with my addiction, I knew there had been a change, and I'd done what I needed to break porn's, really Satan's, control over my life. Since then, I can't say I've never fallen back. But those incidents have become exceptions that I'm not happy about rather than being a part of my everyday life. And so that was Bob's experience, or that is Bob's experience. Well, here's another comment from another Christian who struggles with this, and I'll call him Justin. Again, not his real name. He said, For years I have struggled with porn and lust. The feelings of utter failure, uselessness, and self-loathing would knock me down and make me useless as a Christian, and yet I thought that I could beat it without really changing. First thing to do is, quote, whatever he tells you, unquote. And in this case, he clearly tells us to, quote, flee youthful lusts, unquote. So don't hesitate, negotiate, or procrastinate. Flee right now. Decide now to flee. Flee, and again, flee. Good advice. Flee. Get out of there. The thing that you need to know is you're not alone. These feelings of failure and defeat and self-loathing after giving in to temptation are something that nearly every believer experiences. Now, some say that it's the enemy or Satan attacking you, trying to keep you down. He says, And you call yourself a Christian. Look at yourself. You're a hypocrite and a failure. You think God loves you after this? You think he'll forgive you again after asking him so many times? Give it up. That's what Satan says, right? Well, let's look at what the Bible has to say about guilt, pornography, and forgiveness. Sometimes it might be the enemy saying those things to you, but remember this, Satan can only be in one place at one time. He is not omnipresent. How could he personally be attacking each and every Christian that falls? He doesn't need to. We do it to ourselves just fine, thank you very much. It's our own mind in most cases. It's called having a guilty conscience. And you know what? That's a good thing. It's an indication that you have not been irreparably hardened to sin. Of course, don't stray, uh, don't stay in those negative thoughts. Remember the scripture that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. And also think of Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, where it says, 
Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Of course, when Jesus said up to 70 times seven, he was making the point that we should forgive an unlimited amount of times. So do you think that God will be less forgiving than he asks us to be? Of course not. If we fall and if we sin, we need to go back to him and ask him to forgive us. Don't believe the lie that he's going to get to the point where he'll be too mad at us to to forgive us. You know, that, that he'll only forgive us a certain amount of times. That's a lie. Don't believe it. Well, so then it's no big thing then, right? We can continue to sin and God will continue to forgive us. Awesome. Let's party. Not so fast. The Apostle Paul talked about this very concept in the New Testament book of Romans. And in chapter 6, verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. No. This is me again now. That would not be pleasing to God. And if we are truly in a relationship with Jesus, we won't even desire to do that. And Jesus himself says that, quote, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching, unquote. So at this point, just to be clear, let's look at what God's Word teaches about pornography. I know that many of you know that using pornography is wrong, but you may not have specific scriptures to back up your instinct. You need to have that. Let's look at a few. 1 Corinthians 6.16, we, we looked at it already. It says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Is looking at pornography and the things and the activities that go along with it glorifying to God? Would you do it in church? Of course not. Matthew 5.27 says, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay? Jesus wasn't just talking about looking at a, at a woman, you know, there in the flesh. He's talking about they didn't have magazines and they didn't have internet and they didn't have films back then like we do now, but it's the same. And then Job 31.1. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Proverbs chapter 5, 15 through 23 says, Do you know the saying, drink from your own rain barrel, draw water from your own spring-fed well? It's true. Otherwise, you may one day come home and find your barrel empty and your well polluted. Your spring water is for you and you only, not to be passed around among strangers. Bless your fresh flowing fountain. Enjoy, now this is the important, this is the key. Enjoy the wife you married as a young man. Lovely as an angel, beautiful as a rose. Don't ever quit taking delight in her body. Never take her love for granted. Why would you trade enduring intimacies for cheap thrills with a whore? For dalliance with a promiscuous stranger. Remember what I said the definition of pornography is. Porne, being a whore. Mark well, continuing now in Proverbs, mark well that God doesn't miss a move you make. He's aware of every step you take. The shadow of your sin will overtake you. You'll find yourself stumbling all over yourself in the dark. Death is the reward of an undisciplined life. Your foolish decisions trap you in a dead end. There are many more examples, but you get the idea. 
looking at a woman other than your wife or ladies, looking at a man other than your husband, or looking at another of the same sex and doing it with lust is a perversion or a distortion of God's plan for your sexuality. We're not going to get into the homosexual question at all on today's show, but if you're interested in that discussion, listen to Lifespring episodes uh, 104 and 105. You can go back in the archives at lifespringmedia.com and you can find those if you're interested in that topic. But let's stay focused today on pornography. Listen, God created us as sexual beings. He understands the power of the temptation, but he does expect us to flee when it comes. Genesis 39 talks about Joseph, who you might want to read this. Joseph had been taken into slavery, and he was the servant of the head of state, whose name was Potiphar. Potiphar had a wife who was lusting after Joseph. And she kept trying to get him to go to bed with her until finally one day they were both alone. She grabbed him by his cloak and she said, come lay with me. He fled. He took off, leaving his coat in her hands. And there's a whole story that goes around that. But the, the point is that Joseph was a man that served God, that, that feared God, that loved God. And there was no way in the world that he was going to betray God or betray Potiphar, who had put so much trust in him, by laying with Potiphar's wife. Listen, fleeing is not a weakness. It is the suggested and the accepted way to deal with temptation that could easily overwhelm us. Would you purposely swim with a bunch of hungry, man-eating sharks just to prove that you're strong? Of course not. You wouldn't stand a chance. You would do everything that you could to get out of the water where you know that they cannot go. That's the idea when it comes to temptation. You have already shown that this shark can have you for lunch at any time, this shark called pornography. So why flirt with it? Why swim with it? Why even dangle your toe in the water? Get out of there. You say, Steve, I've tried that, but I still fall. Well, let me give you some ideas that can help you gain some control. First and foremost, unless you have a personal, vibrant, and committed relationship with Jesus, I don't think you have a chance. I really don't. You have to draw near to him. You cannot do it on your own strength. So, if you are not sure of your relationship with him, take time right now and pray and ask Jesus to forgive you. Tell him that you want him to cleanse you from your sins and that you want a new life where he is the one in control. Ask him to help you live as he would want you to, and then every day and every moment of every day, cultivate that relationship. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Make it the reason for everything that you do. Stay in touch with him through prayer, getting to know the Bible, because that is his message to mankind, and find some folks who can mentor you in the Christ-following life. Okay, so you say, Steve, I've got that covered. I truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I'm a believer and I'm a follower, but this porn thing just has me in its grip. What can I do? I'm addicted. I keep relapsing. Well, first, let me say that God knows all about it, and he loves you anyway. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew from the very foundation of the world that you would fail even after you asked Jesus to be your Savior. 
There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing that you can do to make him love you less. Let's take a moment to listen to one who has experienced the repeated failures of relapses in his own addictions. But then it sours. The real consequence of digesting this little meal of relapse is what I begin to believe about myself. I'm hopeless. I'm worthless. I'm just one big screw-up. Dear God, I forget that my life is unmanageable. And I believe that I can control what I really can't. Forgive me for trying to be my own higher power. Show me again how you can restore me to sanity and make me reasonably happy, regardless of my circumstances. Help me return to one day at a time, trusting that you will make all things right. I surrender to your will once again. Amen. I have never tried so hard To have a heart someone could love But I never could You understood And loved me in a way Jesus sees me as I And he takes me by the hand And says I love you anyway Oh, I love you anyway I'm so thankful Jesus loves me lied so much to play the part of someone good but I never could you understood and love me in a way Jesus sees me as I am and it takes me by the Says I love you anyway. I love you anyway. I'm so thankful Jesus loves me. can't rescue me once more a brand new star my broken heart will love you anyway Jesus sees me as I am and he takes me by the hand and says I love you I love you anyway 
Jesus loves me Says I love you anyway. I love you anyway. I'm so thankful Jesus loves me anyway. That's a recent song by the recovering Brian Duncan on the road to redemption. It was written after many relapses in my case. Remember, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a message of hope, my friends. So what do we do? Remember that sin begins first in the mind with your thoughts. Did you know that it is said that there's no difference between when you imagine something or if it actually happens? They both have the same effect on your brain. Neurologically, they are the same. That's why athletes often visualize themselves in competition, doing the event perfectly and winning. Over and over and over, they practice in their mind because it's as if it was real. And so when the real event comes, they have success because they've practiced it so many times. It's real in the mind. James 1 verses 14 and 15 says, Sin begins with the desire, and then when it has conceived, it brings forth sin. And when that is finished, it brings forth death. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Prepare your mind for action. Be self-controlled. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Romans 13.14 says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Matthew 5.28 says, Jesus said, Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Romans 4.8 says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Knowing these things, my friends, considering what scripture has to say, we need to determine our course of action before we are in a crisis situation, before we are tempted. We need to decide beforehand that giving in is not an option. Much of the battle will be won if we refuse to engage in the temptation at all. Flee at that moment. Don't think about it. Don't mull it over in your mind. It's already been decided. You say, Steve, I've done that, and I still fail. Okay, but I'm not finished yet. The next step is probably the hardest. It takes humility on your part, it takes courage, and it takes commitment. But do you really want to get the upper hand? Do you want to do what God's Word says? If you do, then you're going to have to tell somebody that you have this problem. you got to tell somebody. Someone who's going to hold you accountable. Not somebody who's going to be easy on you, but somebody who's going to ask the hard questions. Come on, Steve, I can't do that. It's, it's too embarrassing. What will they think of me? Well, if they love you, they're going to want to help you, and they're going to think, wow, here's a sinner just like me. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
Look at that. It said, so that you may be healed. You want freedom from this bondage? Confess to somebody that you trust. Someone who will pray with you and for you and who will hold you accountable. Because this is going to be a process. It's not a one-time thing. It's going to take time to change your habits and your behaviors. You can be accountable one-on-one. You can be accountable to a small prayer group or your spouse. Whoever it is, make sure that it's someone who will truly not let you slide. Next, take a look at when you are most vulnerable. Is it late at night when everybody else is in bed? Then determine that you'll not be on the computer when they're in bed. Is it when you're stressed? Then exercise more. Seriously, exercise is a great stress reducer. Take a walk, ride a bike, do push-ups, do something to get your body moving. It really does help. Look at your behavior and figure out what the triggers are. Then alter your behavior when you see that trigger. Don't do what you've always done. Call your accountability partner. Get out of there. Flee temptation. Next, be aware of the health of your relationship with Jesus. Are you spending time cultivating your closeness to him? Because remember, you cannot defeat this unless you have Jesus in your heart and unless you are cultivating your closeness to him. If we don't spend time with those that we love, we tend to grow apart, right? Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, He is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. You want to have power over this? You need to stay plugged into the vine. Jesus is the vine. We are branches. You can't do it on your own. All right, here's something else that you can do. Think of the consequences. There's a guy who is an author, Randy Alcorn. He's written some great books. And he says, whenever I feel particularly vulnerable to sexual temptation, I find it helpful to review what effects my action could have. Number one, grieving the Lord who redeemed me. God sees it when you do it. Number two, dragging his sacred name through the mud. As I was doing the research for this, I came across a website that quoted some of the same facts that I quoted to you earlier about uh, how Christians are involved in pornography. Now, this particular website was the website of someone who was an atheist. And they said, look at this, these, these stupid Christians, they're no different than anybody else. So by being involved in it, we drag his sacred name through the mud. Next on Randy Alcorn's list, one day I'm going to have to look at Jesus, the righteous judge, and I'm going to have to look at him in the face and I'm going to have to give an account for his actions. I need to remember that. Next, following the footsteps of people whose immorality forfeited their ministries and caused me to shudder. Think about that. Think about the uh, the Swaggarts and the the Bakers and and, uh, and others. Do you want to have the same kind of uh, consequence on your own life? I don't think so. Another consequence would be losing my wife's respect and trust. Hmm. Do you want to do that? Another one that he put on his list was hurting my daughters. Can you imagine if your kids found out? following the hurting my daughters is destroying my example and credibility with my children. How are you ever going to go to your kids and and hold them to a standard when they'll know what you've done? 
and be terrible. Continuing with his list, losing self-respect. Yeah, you know how you feel afterwards. It's horrible. And here's another one that we talked about a little bit earlier, forming memories and flashbacks that could plague future intimacy with my wife. You can't unsee pornography. You don't want that when you're with your spouse. One last one, undermining the faithful example and hard work of other Christians in our community. That's sort of the same thing as dragging his reputation through the mud. It drags everyone's reputation through the mud. Think about the uh, the terrible, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Shame that is on the Catholic Church right now because of some few priests who abuse kids. Priests have a very difficult time right now because everybody looks at them askance. Like, yeah, are you one of those two? Terrible. Okay, we need to be prepared. We need to gear up for battle. In Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. In 1 Peter 5, 8, the Living Bible says, Be careful. Watch out for the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. We have to understand, my friends, that constant vigilance is the phrase of the day. You cannot let your guard down. That's why Jesus said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. You cannot let your guard down. You know how it is with internet porn, right? You're searching for something innocent on Google, let's say, and bam, you're confronted with porn. Constant vigilance. I was, as I was doing a search uh, for that little soundbite I use with uh, Jack Webb, uh, give me the facts, right? I was doing a search and it took me to this website and there were previews of, you know, different shows and stuff. And, and just above the li- the listing for that, that Jack Webb thing, the dragnet thing, there was an animated gif of a, a girl doing things that, uh, you know, I mean, blam right there. There was no warning. I wasn't searching for anything about that. I was searching for just the facts and there it was blam, right? Confronted constant vigilance. So what do you do when these temptations appear on your computer screen, completely by surprise? Sometimes you give in, don't you? Sometimes you don't, but sometimes you do. Well, what if you knew that your accountability partner would find out that you gave in? That, going back to the perfect sin scenario, what if you knew that that perfect sin was no longer going to be perfect, but that you would be found out? Would you be less liable to succumb? Probably. Okay, now this is where the commercial comes. I told you at the top that I was that I that we now had a new sponsor on the show. Understand, I chose this sponsor because I believe in them. Over a year ago, one of the LifeSpring listeners emailed me telling me that he had an addiction to internet porn. He asked me to be his accountability partner with a company called Covenant Eyes, Covenant Eyes Software. And then several months later, Another friend of mine, a friend in real life, not just uh, you know a, a listener or somebody that I, I correspond with in email, but a friend of mine in real life confessed to me that he was having a problem with internet porn too. I suggested Covenant Eyes to him because of the good results that I'd seen with the listener. Let me explain to you what Covenant Eyes software is all about. When you sign up with them, you download an application that will watch everywhere that you go on the internet and send a report to the servers at Covenant Eyes. This record is not stored on your computer. Of course, your browser still has your history, but we all know how easy it is to clear that, right? But with Covenant Eyes, the history is kept on their computers, and you can't touch it. By the way, the software does not slow down your browser. 
Page load times are the same as always, so there's no worries there. Next, your accountability partner that you select, you can do one or two, your accountability partner is emailed a report of your browsing periodically, and the frequency is adjustable by the accountability partner. Well, what's on the report? Well, this is the cool thing. Covenant Eyes looks at where you go, and they, they give it scores according to how likely it is that this is a bad place to be. The reports provide scoring, and partners and users can easily identify questionable websites, searches, links, and more. You can scan the report and say, oh, there's a high-scoring place there and there and there. Or, hey, nothing is scoring high there. Excellent. Good job. The report also shows trends for websites that are viewed and bar charts that show the times of the day and night when the Internet is used. So if you're not supposed to be using it late at night and your report shows that you're doing it in the middle of the night, hey, you're going to get a phone call, hopefully, from your accountability partner saying, hey, what were you doing? Covenant Eyes provides Internet protection for individuals, families, office staff, even schools. Signing up is easy. It's inexpensive at just $7.99 per month or $84.99 per year with multiple user discounts. They give free customer service and free software upgrades. You can. This is very cool. You can download it onto additional computers at no extra charge. So you've got your computer at home. You've got your notebook. You've got your computer at work. They can all have the software on it, no extra charge. It's very difficult to bypass. And when you uninstall it, your partner will receive an email that says, hey, so-and-so uninstalled the software. There's no secrets. And it's recommended by Focus on the Family. Now, there are other companies out there that do offer some level of accountability, but I've done the comparison, and I believe that Covenant Eyes is the best and the most reliable tool available. I've had well over a year's experience with Covenant Eyes, and I really, really believe in it. I had a long conversation with one of the owners of the company, and I am convinced that he really has a ministry attitude when it comes to helping people. I spoke to him on, on the phone for an awful long time. He's committed to providing a powerful tool for gaining control of your web surfing habits. When I was talking to him, he told me of some new products that they're working on that I can't talk to you about right now, but believe me when I tell you they are on the cutting edge. They know what the trends are in Internet use and how it's being used and how it's being accessed, and they are committed to staying ahead of the curve. Now listen, if you are serious about taming the Internet porn problem in your life, or if you have kids at home, you really do need Covenant Eyes in your arsenal. It's only $7.99 a month, like I said, or $84.99 a year, which is a savings of more than $10. And now listen, if you use the promo code LIFESPRING when you sign up, You'll get one free month. There's no risk. Sign up using the promo code LIFESPRING and you can see how it works. And if it's not for you, just cancel. And of course, there's no further obligation. But I don't think you're going to want to cancel because it works. Remember, if you have kids in your house, they are at greater risk than you probably are. And don't you want to help them before they get into trouble? I believe in Covenant Eyes and I think you should too. There's links on the show notes pages at lifespringmedia.com. Just look in the right-hand sidebar or just go directly to covenanteyes.com and be sure to put in the promo code LIFESPRING to get your free month. As I said at the beginning of this conversation, ultimately it's going to have to be Jesus in you who changes your desires from the inside out. But we should use every tool that we can to change our behaviors. So today we've looked at the problem of internet pornography. We've heard some of the facts about its pervasiveness. We've heard what the Bible says about it. 
and we've learned some ideas on how to get control. Would you write to me if this has been an issue with you? I'd love to hear from you, and I would love to pray with you. My email address is steve.lifespring at gmail.com. Better yet, call me toll-free at 877-433-9091. Leave a message there. If you want to be anonymous, no problem. That's okay. But remember the accountability. You, You can't remain anonymous. Get an accountability partner. We're going to end this show today a little bit differently. I'm going to read Psalm 51. Let's make it a prayer, okay? Pray this with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the innermost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Thank you so much for being with me today. I know it's been a bit long, and it's been a little bit heavy, but I hope it's been a help. Next week, we'll have some fun, okay? Hey, I've recently made some changes on the website. If you haven't been there in a while, why don't you go take a look? Let me know what you think at lifespringmedia.com. Till next time, may God bless you richly. I'm Steve Webb. The LifeSpring Media family of programs are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you. 